0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Star Wars Rebels Alerts, the weekly podcast after show where we recap and discuss each and every episode of Star Wars Rebels Season 3. I'm Ron Tim. I'm Troy. And just quickly off the top here, I have to apologize for the audio quality. This is the first time Troy and I are trying to do Skype, so hopefully we don't get too much fluctuation in the audio levels, and hopefully there's not a lot of background feedback. Uh, I apologize if there is a slight difference between our normal audio quality and what we're getting now. but. That's what we have, so <laughs> here it is. <laughs> this episode is coming to you guys a little bit late. We had some celebrating to do. It was Troy's birthday the other day, yesterday. So we kind of went out, had a little bit of dinner, a little bit of celebratory drinks and that, and we decided to do this episode just a tiny bit late. So we're coming to you about 12 hours late, and we do apologize for that. But we're going to get right into the discussion here of this very powerful Star Wars Rebels episode.
1: Huge episode.
0: So this episode kicks it off with an absolute bang. We have Finn Rao and Kanan discussing the Darksaber here. And we actually get a nice exposition piece here describing the details of the Darksaber. And for me personally, having had issues in the past with the Mandalorian episodes, because I don't fully get the lore. That's my shortcoming, not Star Wars' shortcoming. But I really (laughs) like what they did here. It gave me a good insight into what this Darksaber actually is and the history behind it and the significance behind it.
1: Yeah, it was great, and they, they didn't pull too much off the Darth Maul history from Clone Wars, and they actually gave a, the audience a new take of the whole saber itself, a new mythology.
0: Yeah, and I think they're pulling some of the lore back from the Legends universe, and we do mm-hmm. get some references to Tar Vizla, the first Mandalorian to ever be inducted into the Jedi, and he built this lightsaber, this dark saber, and after his passing, it was kept in the Jedi Temple until it was liberated by the Clan Visla. And it was used to unify their people and strike down any of those that oppose them. And I thought this was a cool way, even the the graphics and the design, kind of like this cave drawing that they had in the background. I thought it was a really neat way to depict the history of the Darksaber and quickly get to it as well.
1: Yeah, I really like what they did with the animation. It's kind of reminiscent of the old Disney Hercules (laughs) uh, movie cartoon there. But I really like what they did there. They summed it up pretty well. And uh, man, I just want to know more about this Mandalorian Jedi now.
0: It's really got me engaged with the Mandalorian arc here because... Like I said before, like I had issues with it last time, but I felt myself fully engaged in wanting to learn more about the Darksaber. Like, and the connection with the Mandalorians with the, the Jedi also had me thoroughly interested in this. Like I felt it bridged some of that gap that I was missing in the previous episodes with not having that cultural background in the Mandalorian lore.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And um, man, I was wishing we were going to get a little bit of a a, Revan, a Darth Revan reference here going back to the uh, Old Republic with the uh, the battle over Mandalore there. So, oh well but it's still a cool cool moment.
0: Yeah, and it's an interesting thing because later on in the episode, Kanan gives us a bit of a history lesson, as he calls it, and Mm -hmm. references the Jedi versus Mandalorian Wars, which means that it's back somewhat in canon. Maybe not the details of the story, but the fact that that actually happens. So do you think we'll ever get a Darth Revan in Rebels or in some other form?
1: I absolutely think we will. Going back to Clone Wars, when they did the episode arc over, um, I can't remember the planet now, um, i will come back to me later, but anyways, during that arc, we we're meant to get introduced to uh Darth Bane and as well Darth Revan in a Jedi ghost force form, I guess you could say. Um, the ghost form, but Sith don't actually go into the ghost form, so George Lucas actually pulled that out. But we were that close to getting those two appear in Rebels in the ghost form, so um. Yeah, totally unfortunate, but yeah, I really hope we get Revan because he's one of my top notch next to him and uh, Dash Vendor are my two favorite Extended U uh, characters, so I really hope that one of those two pop up.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that eventually. Hmm. They teased a lot here, so I'm hoping that we do eventually get something, at least a little reference to Darth Revan further down the line here. Absolutely. And The big focus of this episode is to try to convince Sabine to take the Darksaber and, and use it to unite her people and potentially bring them on the side of the Rebellion. What did you think of the pressure that Kanan, Hera, all these leaders in the Ghost crew were putting on Sabine to actually bring in and recruit the Mandalorians into the Rebellion?
1: I, I fell for it, man. That was, uh, that was a lot of pressure. I think Kanan handled it best because Kanan kind of was like, you know, do it, but you don't have to do it kind of thing. His his role, Freddie Prince Jr., man, he just embodied this character. And what he did with this character is just fantastic. But I really like how he handled him. And um, I felt he was just such a great mentor in this little segment here, this little sequence of uh, t- taking on this pressure of basically the, the whole clan of Mandalore. Right. So um, I, I did feel for Zabim, as a lot of pressure, but overall, it's it just a great scene. Yeah, it, I, and it also kind of shows how desperate they are right now, the rebels, too, right?
0: Well, yeah, you do get that stench of desperation, especially from Hera. Someone that is usually quite proper and quite composed. And Mm -hmm. she was really putting the most pressure on Sabine. Like you said, I think Kanan was like, do what you want, do what you feel is right, and we will support Mm -hmm. you no matter what. And that's a theme that kind of comes back up as we go through the episode here, is that Kanan's Mm -hmm. supporting whatever she does. But Hera really does put the pressure on her. And I think that's eventually what puts her over as far as agreeing to at least try to train with the Darksaber. And the one thing I really liked about the scene is when Sabine actually agrees, the score, we come back to this almost every single week, it swells into portions of the original trilogy score, which I love when they incorporate that into the big moments here, into the moments that feel like OT moments. And we get a lot of that in this episode.
1: Definitely. I mean, if for all the listeners out there who have been listening from day one, you'll hear us probably at least every second episode go on and on about the music, the score in this animated series by Kevin Kiner. And it's Fantastic music and I think he outdid himself this episode if that's even possible. It was incredible the score and just I didn't even feel like I was watching a cartoon because of this music. It just felt so Star Wars but just so real at the same time.
0: Yeah, and awesome being job. such an emotional and powerful episode, the score mm-hmm. really complements throughout the entirety of this episode. It swells when it needs to swell, and it goes a little quiet and fades to the background when it needs to. When we need to hear that powerful dialogue, and yeah, this was absolutely incredible. And they hit every single note as we went through this. Like I, I found myself almost feeling again, like we do in the Star Wars universe, that the score is a character. Like we're getting yes. that in this series,
1: big time. Yeah.
0: And I was curious about how far they were going to go here because we're having a month break before we get the finale or at least the major fight sequence within this arc we have a big training sequence here and I wasn't actually prepared for us to spend the rest of the episode in this training montage or training sequence here but I felt myself thoroughly engaged with this like it it did drag on a little bit but I never felt that I always felt like oh what's going to happen next and because we have these serious and significant moments with each of the characters with the the interaction between Ezra and Sabine and the interaction between Kanan and Sabine and then we add in Finn Rao towards the latter part of the training like this the interaction here is unreal the dialogue the character the development that we get in individuals like I can't speak enough about this
1: yeah it, it, it was great you know there's just no holes in this episode seen Sabine and um, Ezra go at it you know Jedi versus Mandalore Mandalorian was, was so cool especially when he she got her um those gauntlets of some sort where she kind of did like a force push You know at uh, Ezra that was just a great sequence Um, I still wasn't fond of the Indiana Jones whip that grabbed the saber but uh the last of truth yeah but for the most part it was great I really liked the beats that Kanan was counting the one two three four five six Um, you know going up going down mid guard you know all that kind of stuff was cool I'm just like man I, I gotta get a lightsaber now you know I gotta start doing some of this choreography this is incredible man training stick
0: man training stick
1: the training, you know, and that was another cool callback was the training stick or the training saber, because playing um, Knights of the Old Republic or even Star Wars, the Old Republic, when you start off those games, you have a training saber, but it doesn't look quite like the stick. So it's cool when um, Hera is like, what's up with the training sabers? You know, you, you and Ezra never did those. And then, you know, basically they go into a rant about, uh, oh, they're just sticks. So it's kind of a callback to uh, the Old Republic, but not really being the actual saber. Yeah. So I thought that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it was. And one thing, did you catch the the Yoda reference in here?
1: Yes, yes. I love that Ezra one. Uh, Don't try, just learn. Yeah, first lesson,
0: don't try, just learn. I absolutely love that. So subtle, but there for the Star Wars fans. It's a great callback to Empire. And throughout this whole episode, I felt a lot of Empire here. Like when they set up the the training grounds and when they kind of went off into the distance there, everything set up, I got a Dagobah feel off of this
1: yeah it was cool especially because we found out there was some time that's passed a couple days at least when they're training right yeah it's, it's a cool the whole thing was just great
0: what are your thoughts on, on Kanan here? Like he has a big episode here. His arc is massive. We see a lot of character development here. We see how much he's grown and how much he's recognized that he's grown here. But he's pretty relentless off the start here with Sabine and kind of knocking her down a peg or two. She comes into this fairly confident. I can do this. It's just swinging a stick around. I'm trained with blasters. I'm trained with all sorts of weaponry. But he just takes her right down this, this, this first couple scenes here.
1: Yeah, again, I mean, going back, this episode obviously belongs to Sabine, but Freddie Prince Jr. Kanan nearly stole the show for me. Um, you know, I am catching up with the uh, Last Jedi with the Last Padawan comic book there with Kanan, and just to see this growth of this character, basically his story starting from Order sixty six. I did skip um, Dawn of a Jedi, so I haven't read that chapter in his life, but just to see the growth of this character, where he's gone even to season one and until to now, and where Freddie Prince is taking him and just matured. It's just incredible work what these guys are doing over their uh, Dave Filonian team. It's incredible. Yeah. It's ever yeah. since
0: he lost his sight for me that he's become this okay. master Jedi that's yeah. stood up on this pedestal that it, he gives me a big Ben Kenobi vibe once in a while here. Every so often I see hints of that in Kanan. And I like you said, it's just fantastic.
1: Yeah. And I even get a bit of a Qui-Gon too, you know, yeah. um, not so enforcing of the Force, but just kind of having his way with the force if, if that makes too much sense but yeah he's wow i just can't believe it and, you know and even going off the first episode of this season he's grown so much from there to now
0: yeah it's oh, yeah.
1: yeah so keep up the good work freddie prince I'm, I'm loving what you're giving me every week here yeah
0: and as sabine grows frustrated with her training with kanan with his training ways he looks to ezra to begin the training to do the very basic things and this is a point again where Kanan acknowledges his shortcomings eventually to Hera here about how he didn't take his time and didn't have the patience for Ezra. So Ezra kind of went through this. It shows how strong Ezra actually is when we do see Sabine becoming immensely frustrated early on in the training with
1: Kanan. No, yeah, those are some some neat scenes. And again, uh, more growth seeing how far Ezra's come from first season until now, right? And even a warrior such as um, Sabine, her capabilities are, are great, but even she's having some struggles you know learning these ways of 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 the saber of the or of the of the Jedi training you could say
0: there's also some really cool cameos in this some very brief cameos we get the return of the owls just yes. really nice to see. I always get like kind of like a watcher vibe off them from the Marvel Cinematic or from the Marvel Universe. Just right, they're always there. They're always present during significant events in the universe. Mm-hmm. And also the Bendu, a non-talking cameo. But again, this comes back to a significant character making an appearance at a very important time.
1: I, I love that little cameo first. I didn't even recognize it until I see you know you, no. you recognize it after, but at first with the shots, you're like, oh whatever, it's just some kind of boulder, and I'm like, oh my god, it's the Bendu. Nice. Yeah. Um, With those Owls, I mean, I might be pushing it a little bit But I just, I I wonder again, going back to Ahsoka Is there some connection with her, those Owls And then them appearing again with Sabine's training Who knows, it could be a stretch But I do feel there is some kind of tie with the Owl and Ahsoka
0: well, yeah, because we get him, I think, in the first part of the season when the Bendu does first make his appearance. We get the mm-hmm. owls. And we get that owl, too, at the end of last season when we don't know what's happened with Ahsoka either.
1: That's right. And they do appear in the Clone Wars on that planet Mortis. Mort- yeah, Mortis, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, and she does have the owls painted on, I believe, her left shoulder. her
1: shoulder, yeah, that's right.
0: So that's cool. This does show that there is some connection there, which I really like. hmm And the theme that is strung through the majority of this episode is family. Like we get this in reference to Sabine and in reference to the entirety of the ghost crew.
1: Yeah, it, it's passed along pretty well, actually. I guess now that you mentioned that, we didn't even see Zeb at all, did we? Now, I don't know still. if he was
0: in that first scene where they're trying to convince her or not. Right. Uh, but yeah, he was completely absent from this, yeah. at least in a talking sense.
1: Yeah, but yeah, going back to what you're you're saying, your point there with family, I mean, you, you get it from Hera when she mentions she doesn't say champs and Dula, but you, you get it. Obviously, she's referring to her her father and then uh Ezra obviously mentions his parents, and um, basically everybody's had some kind of sacrifice with their families, or, or they've lost their families of some sort, right?
0: Yeah, Ezra at one point lays the ultimate guilt trip on. Oh yeah, on Sabine there when he says, "At least you have family to go back to, and parents <laughs> yeah. to go back to." Yeah, it does show a lot of sacrifice too, because again, that is another big theme here: is the amount that people have sacrificed for this rebellion, for people that they care about. And we do get a massive dialogue sequence here with Sabine later on in the episode that reveals a lot about that character. And then we're talking about revelations here. Kanan he goes on a bit of a rant here, a bit of frustration rant, where he does expose and discuss a bit about the Jedi history with the Mandalorians. We had mentioned that in the past, but he does reveal quite a bit about the Force here, and we're getting a little more insight. We got some of that from the Ahsoka book, and we're getting a lot more of that here about the kyber crystals and connecting to the sabers themselves and then becoming more or less an extension of the person that is wielding them. And I thought that was a really nice reference and a really nice touch in there to give us a little bit more insight into the Jedi Order. And I feel that Kanan, he he is almost stepping beyond that Order. Like, he encourages and almost demands emotion from Sabine here. And he acknowledges the fact that everyone has some connection to the force in this which is again something that's developing this idea of the force a little more as we go through this new canonical material about the force being this significant presence around all beings we saw this in rogue one with jin's mother we've seen this in the ahsoka book and we've seen a lot of this being kind of drummed up and referenced in a lot of the the material that we've been reading and watching lately
1: yeah no it's great i you know i wasn't the biggest fan. I did like the Soka book, but I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of how much they dove into the crystals and and how they bleed and whatnot. You know, this, this episode actually made me like a little bit more of what they're doing now with the Kyber crystals. So I really did like that, the touch on there. I thought it was a little bit weird with Kanan, you know, teaching Sabim how to use the, the lightsaber. The Darksaber and dive into her emotions where I felt like I wonder what if he taught that to a Jedi like what if he had taught what if he would if he passed that kind of knowledge on to a Jedi like Ezra because you know we've always been told based in the Star Wars universe if you're a Jedi you don't really want to put too much emotion into things right so I kind of found that funny maybe it's just because she's not a Jedi.
0: I don't know, because he's that works specific reference to that the forces with kind of everyone in this. Yeah. But yeah, he really drives that point home that it's all yeah. about emotion. And he's just yanking that out of there. I thought that was, yeah, that was a bit out of character for a Jedi. But I still yeah. don't see Kanan as this true Jedi. He is something different. He's almost evolving past this Jedi order of no emotion, no connection to people other than the Force. This commitment to the Force and not... Going beyond that and, and exposing your emotions and that. I feel that there's a lot of that there, and yeah, it was an interesting way to approach it.
1: No, definitely, you know, it's just another light again shown on these these characters and the the different mythos mythos we were getting on the Jedi's or the Bindus or the Sith, even right? Yeah. To change it up. Yeah.
0: This episode closed out with one of the most emotional, engaging, and intense scenes I think I've seen in Rebels. Uh, at least that I can think of here. Like this, this whole sequence where uh, Sabine finally starts to reveal a bit about herself. She's hidden that from the ghost group from so long. And there's always been this impression that she abandoned her family. She abandoned her people. But it's, it's actually the other way around. She goes into quite a bit of emotional description about how she left her family to save everyone. She was creating these weapons that the Empire turned around and used on her people. And when she stood up against the Empire, her family chose to support the Empire and not stand with her. And she was
1: basically forced out. Yeah, that was tough. Um, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> when she explained that, I, I really felt for her, especially, again, it, it shines a light more so on how bad and how much the Empire has affected everyone, yeah. more so outside of than just Jedi, but everyone. And to, to hear that scene reveal itself, I was like, wow, yeah, she's, she's had it tough there.
0: Yeah, it is super powerful. And I
1: loved how they played on the emotion here, which is something that we
0: don't always see in the Star Wars Rebels universe. But this was just incredibly done here.
1: Yeah, especially from a character like Sabine. She's so strong, right? She's so guarded. This episode really breaks her character down, right?
0: Yeah, and it's Kanan that does that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, Quickly here, before we sign off, what did you think of the animation of the Darksaber, the sounds of the Darksaber? Because it's quite different from the lightsabers that we do get in the episode.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You know what? I I like the dark saber. I like the idea of it, but I've never really been a big fan of the way it looks on animation. Um, Going back to the Clone Wars, I always kind of thought it looked a little weird at times, you know, when the the blade is swinging from back to forth and it kind of turns. into like that very uh, square rectangle kind of shape. Yes. Yeah, I've never really been the biggest fan of the look. The sound was cool and I liked um, seeing the effects as the saber was touched, but I'm just not the biggest fan of the way I guess the way it's shaped. Is, is what throws me off. Did you yeah. notice that how about she, you? when
0: she was swinging it back and forth that it was almost warping as she
1: swung it? Exactly. Yeah, and and, and and I do like the consistency they've kept up with it because it's the same way in the Clone Wars with Darth Maul is the same kind of effect. I just, but I don't like that look. Yeah. How about how about you? What do you think of the?
0: Well, not having the background of the Clone Wars or some of the lore of the, the Mandalorian culture and that, I, I'm a bit unfamiliar with the Darksaber itself. And so sometimes I struggle with how different it is from a lightsaber, the sound and the look of it. So it mm-hmm. always feels a bit outside of what I'm comfortable with as far as lightsabers. And I'm yes. not totally sure about the construction and the crystal that's in there that makes it one black and two look like that. So I'm going to have to do a little bit more digging. And if you guys out there that are listening have a bit more insight for me, because I'm still learning a bit about the Mandalorian and the Darksaber and all that. And I think this episode did a great job at bridging some of those gaps. But at the same time, I'm still a bit unfamiliar with the the whole idea of the Darksaber. I'm going to probably have to go back and and maybe in this hiatus, watch a few of those Darth Maul episodes where he is wielding the Darksaber and try to understand a bit more, of the power of it and you know where it comes from and and the significance of it because i'm starting to get it here but i'm not fully there yet
1: yeah i think you can go back season five season six to check out more of that stuff um any any theories any predictions of where this light this lightsaber could possibly end up in future films or installments do you have any ideas
0: I have a feeling that, like, they could go, I guess, a couple routes, but the simplest Mm -hmm. route here is that Sabine goes back to her home world, and she uses it to unite at least a portion, at least maybe her family and coming with that comes a small say sub-military of the of all of Mandalore or whatever and i think we're going to eventually see them potentially in the final battle with thron like a, a last second reveal here's the mandalorians or at least a portion of them, they've come and decided to fight with the rebellion and maybe that allows them to escape thron's clutches towards the end of this season yeah uh, as far as where it's going to end up i guess you know it could end up in finn Rao's hands uh, yeah, actually, Sabine turns it over to him and says, you know, you are worthy. You're the person I have chosen to lead my people and to unite the people like that's a way they could go. I, I don't know if they're trying to seed that a bit by having Finn Rao a bit more present in the rebellion and being someone that would support Sabine and does show support to Sabine, particularly at the end of the episode here where he actually kneels in front of her and says, I would follow you into battle. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's the way we're going, because originally I originally had thought maybe they're going to allow Sabine to lead and we would see her become less and less a part of the series but i just don't see that happening anymore
1: yeah she's such a strong point now this whole time i was just thinking call the show star wars sabine because <laughs> she's uh she's taking over she's definitely taking over but yeah it's it, I'm, I'm curious to know uh such things like as like the, the dark saber and obviously kylo ren's uh lightsaber those are pretty iconic these days so i'm always curious to know where these things could possibly end up right
0: yeah maybe we'll get an action yeah. figure one day is sabine wielding the dark saber that'd be great. Oh,
1: could you imagine? Awesome stuff. (laughs) Even three
0: three three-quarter inch. I'm happy with that.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: (laughs) Um, So this is, again, a big setup episode for what we're eventually going to get. We've seen that in the season three mid-season trailer. They're going to get her confronting what looks to be her mother. And again, going to battle with Saxon here. As Kanan mentioned, you're going to be challenged for this. So we're going to see that evolve out in the next episode, which I believe is Three, two, three, or four weeks away. I'm not sure, but there is a bit of a gap here before we do get that. But I am thoroughly excited now. Like this is another great way if they're going to go on a hiatus to have this type of episode to mm-hmm. get me engaged. And excited for what's to come next for that inevitable battle that they did show us in the trailer so again i am <laughs> incredibly excited for everything to come with this storyline and concluding a bit because i think eventually these have to cross back over into the main Thrawn story arc and i think her uniting the people and bringing them at least a small portion of them on board is how we're going to actually do that
1: yeah no i i totally agree with what you're saying um I think it's kind of cool because I believe the next episode that we eventually do get is still a continuation of this yeah, episode. Yeah, so that's cool. kind of cool because, that, again, that's going back to like the Clone Wars stuff, which I've been asking for, is getting more like one, two, three part uh, arcs that uh, expand, you know? So I, I'm really glad they're doing that. This episode nailed it. Again, it was all family oriented. Uh, lots of emotion and lots and lots of growth these characters have all evolved you know I've had my moments with Ezra where I feel like he's whiny and whatnot and he's still a little bit like that in this episode a little a little childish but for the most part these characters all have grown so well and I'm just loving more of what we got with Sabine and Kanan is just my new Qui-Gon he's so he's cool there, uh, yeah he he's up there and again the training sequence was great I I can't wait the three, four weeks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I agree. The development in this, like each and every episode, they they pick a character – and they develop them more. And I always think they've reached their limit of development on these characters, what they can actually do without introducing a new element. But they continue just between the ghost crew to grow these characters and give us a little bit more insight each and every episode. And I really appreciate that. And I love it. Like, it's just, just so engaging, so enthralling. And it just feels like Star Wars. It feels like they're building this universe, and they're connecting everything up. And I feel like like we've always said, this is the glue. This is what holds everything together. We're getting so much connection to the Clone Wars here, but also driving forward the Star Wars Rebels narrative into the eventuality that is the Battle of Scarif.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess I think with this episode, or this season, I should say, closing out, we're probably going to get uh the Battle of the Thal, because yeah. Oh, yeah. it looks like it's all going to take place down there.
0: Yeah, and that's the big driver here. Hera mentions yeah. that, and... This is something they're going to do. They're, they're going to attack Lothal. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get the TIE defenders coming. Like, So it's, it's really cool that we're driving towards that end game, And it looks like, you know, could that be a trap? Could they be setting something for the Rebels to mount this massive attack on Lothal? And this is where Thrawn eventually gets his revenge. His end game starts there.
1: Well, I think he's going to have to, right? Because it's episode four. Is it Rogue One? Where Well, episode four, I guess, because the Rebels got their first win ever. Yeah,
0: it was Rogue One. So-
1: Who's Rogue One. Yeah, exactly. Over, over Yeah, so the Rebels aren't winning this this season, yeah. <laughs> right? For sure. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, ah, can't, wait to, can't wait to see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, fantastic episode. Top-notch. Dave Filoni and crew absolutely killing it. Cannot wait for the next week.
1: For sure. For sure, guys. Keep it locked here. And, uh, well, we also got some really cool news that dropped today. So it's kind of nice that we dropped this episode today.
0: Yeah, big news. We have the title for Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last... Jedi
1: boom microphone dropped yes
0: and we're going to talk all about that on Thursday on our other podcast the nerd we're going to be discussing what we think the last Jedi what this title actually means for the Star Wars universe
1: and who could be the last Jedi
0: or is it plural
1: oh yeah there you go
0: Oh, shoot. (laughs) That's a game changer. (laughs) So We're super excited to discuss that, and super excited we're finally getting a bit of reveals from Episode 8. Probably looking at a trailer not until early summer, but um, this is enough to chew on for a little bit, enough to speculate on, because we've been dying for something from Episode 8, and we're finally getting it here, and I absolutely am just so excited to discuss this on Thursday on The Nerd Room. Awesome. And if you'd like to be a part of the show, if you'd like to send us your comments, questions or speculation, you can hit us up on email at thenerdrm at gmail.com. You can always grab us that hashtag end of the nerd room on Twitter. Our Twitter handles are at the end of the episode. You can also comment on our Facebook or YouTube pages. All right, guys. Well, there's going to be a brief hiatus here, and we will not be returning with this podcast on Mondays until Rebels does return. So check us out on Twitter to get the exact date as to when we are going to be returning here. But as soon as Rebels comes back, we will be back with our regular after show dropping on Monday.
1: Yeah, and uh, with that hiatus of ours, if you still want some more Star Wars talk, be sure to tune in to the Nerd Room every Thursday.
0: Yeah, we're always talking Star Wars over there. Always. All right, guys, until next time for Star Wars Rebels Alert,
1: I'm Tim. I'm Troy. Ahsoka!
0: This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search The Nerd Room Podcast. Be sure to head over to Star WarsConmonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.